Um, this person is a pastor at Life Point Church at Mobbury Heights. He's also operations manager of ACC in South Australia. Um, he's also my brother and my mum's favourite son, Pastor Jonathan. <laughs> Why don't you come up, Jonathan, and share? Thank you. Thanks, man. How you doing? You good today? Can you hear me? Good. That's good. It'd be sad if you couldn't hear me. It'd uh, make this a little bit pointless, wouldn't it, if you couldn't hear me? But, uh, but it's good. I'm glad you're here today. You happy you're here today? Excellent. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm Ben's brother. And uh, can you can you tell? Can you tell? He's got a bit more hair than me. I'm a little bit jealous of that. But uh, I, of course, blame my father. It's his fault. But um, but other than that, we're. Uh, some people say we sound the same. Do we sound the same? Do you think? A little bit. No. Okay. Fair enough. All right. It's not true then. Anyone says that, I'll go. You're lying. It's not true. So, but uh, but it's good to be here today. Believing to hear from God today. Yeah, it's good. As, uh, as Ben said, um, uh, part of my role is I work for the ACC, the Australian Christian Churches, and uh, it's a great role. It gets me out and about around the state, uh, having the ability to go and uh, visit different churches and see different places and, and spend time with different pastors and leaders uh, within the ACC movement here in South Australia and, and nationally as well. And can I tell you, church, and I'm not just saying this because he's my brother, but you have one of the good ones. You have a great pastor in Ben and Beck as well. They're a great team. You know, like I know from conversations with them that they love you, church. They, they love you. They talk about you all the time. They talk about you highly. They speak of this house highly. They have great vision for this house and for what God can do. And uh, in my role, and I get to go around and see lots of things. And uh, there are some good churches out there. And there are some churches that are... Getting good, shall we say that? Yep, yep. So uh, that, that are growing and developing and that. But, uh, but you have great leaders in, uh, and I'm not just saying because he's my brother. I'm, I've been in full-time ministry for 10 plus years. This is the first time he's ever invited me anywhere to do anything. <laughs> all right? So I'm not just saying this because he's my brother, all right? But, uh, but, but you, you, have a, you have a good pastor who loves you very much, church. And his heart is for you and his heart's for this house and to be all that God has called it to be. And isn't that cool? Isn't that what we should be about? Isn't that good? But anyway, let's get into the Word of God. I'm going to read to you today from, uh, from Mark 9, and uh, we're going to start in verse 14. I want to also thank uh, the girl who led worship. I don't know your name, but that was fantastic. At the back up there, Elizabeth, is it? Elizabeth, that was awesome. Well done. That was really good. Enjoyed the worship today. So uh, fantastic. But Mark 9, we're going to read from there, starting uh, verse 14. It's going to come up on the screen here behind me as well. So I'm just going to start reading. And uh, it goes something like this. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. They asked the disciples, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Everyone say mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to the disciples and that they should cast it out, but they could not. Verse 19 says, And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, 
And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood. And often it has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible for him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I want you to say that with me now, right? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Then Jesus saw the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead. So many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You know, as Ben pointed out, it's January, it's summer, right? Summer is here. And what does summer mean in Australia? It means cricket, beach. No, cricket. Come on, people, get with it, right? It's cricket season, right? It's cricket. Cricket's everything, T20s, big bashes, test match. It's all happening, right? We know that it's cricket season. You know, now, one of the things that I'm really proud of as a parent is that uh, I steered my children away from playing cricket, right? Now, now they could have been amazing. Owen could be playing for Australia right now. I don't know, he's 13. He could have been that good that maybe he gets, gets a spot in the team. But I steered him away from cricket because I did not want to sit by those ovals. You, you see those parents out there, like Saturday all day? Has anyone we got any parents with kids playing cricket? If God bless you, if you do, you're crazy, right? I, I didn't want to be... I, I just didn't want to do that. So I just made sure... My son didn't play cricket, but what cricket I used to play when I was a kid is we used to play backyard cricket. Has anyone played backyard cricket? You know backyard cricket, yeah? Everyone plays backyard cricket, right? Backyard cricket, it's like an Australian institution, right? But who knows that in backyard cricket, there are rules. There are, there are laws that exist in backyard cricket that they are universal laws. They're just universal rules, right? Like if I was to say to you, one hand, you would say... One bounce. We, we know those rules, right? If you were at a park somewhere having a barbecue or picnic and you saw a group of people playing cricket and the ball got hit and the ball bounced and they caught it with one hand, you know exactly what that means, don't you, right? There's these universal rules that exist in cricket, right? If you were to hit the ball over the fence, we would call that six and out. You're very good, right? Six and out. They, These are universal rules. These are rules that exist. These are rules that are there in cricket, in backyard cricket, that we just, everyone knows, everyone understands, right? Often if you had an object behind the wicket, right, or maybe it was like a wall or a a bin or a bike, something like that, and if someone was to try and hit it and then it hit the bat and it hit the object at the back, we would call that the automatic, automatic wiki, right? So there's all these these like little rules that we have, and we all understand them, right? We, we, we all get it, you know? So, you know, if you watch cricket now, you see that they have things like Snicko, or they have like the, um, you know, the hot spot, or they have the, you know, they do like the full like trajectory thing now. They can sort of see, you know, 
I wish that was around in backyard cricket because I reckon I would have got my brothers out heaps more than what they admitted, right? And you know, uh, if there was ever a dispute with who was out or what was going on, as a, you know, with two older brothers, what we would do is we'd resort to the third umpire. We'd go to dad, right? And so you'd go to dad, to the third umpire, and you'd ask, you'd give dad the explanation. You explain, you know, what was happening, where we were in the game, what was going on, who bowled it, who was batting, where everyone was standing positioning. And dad's response was pretty much always the same. He would ask the question, who was batting? Right? Because the batter always got the benefit of the doubt. Right? We understand that rule. We, we understand that idea of the benefit of the doubt. You know, I think it's a rule that we apply a fair bit in our lives. Now, we might not say benefit of the doubt. We might say something like, she'll be right, mate. Right? You, have you ever said something like that? Have you ever got into the car in the morning and you start the car and the fuel gauge is like that little bit above the E? What do you say? She'll be right, mate. Particularly if you're a wife here, you know, like that tends to be a common thing. Yes, it is common. You can shake your head, but you know it's true, all right? The car is always empty, right? You give, you give the car, the, I'm, start, I'm starting arguments around the room, please move on, okay? Talk about it at lunch, right? But we give, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, don't we? We, we, we? There'll be things in our lives where we, where we say, she'll be right, mate, or it'll be okay, or we'll get through we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. It's something that we do. It's something that we understand. But I wonder if in our faith, if we give God the benefit of the doubt enough. I wonder if in our faith, do we give God the benefit of the doubt? Like if there's a 50-50 call, if, if there's something that's going on in your life where this thing could go one way or another, you don't know how it's going to work, how it's going to look, do you give God the benefit of the doubt. Do you give God, don't worry about that, it's all right, it's okay. All right. Do you give God the benefit of the doubt? Is, is, he, is he the one that you refer to? Is he the one that you turn to when, when you're not sure what's happening, when you're not sure what's going on, when, when pressure is on in life, when, when, when hard times are coming, when you're feeling pressed from all sides, do you give God the benefit of the doubt? You know, that's the subject of my message today. That's what I want to speak to you about today, is giving God the benefit of the doubt. You know, in the scripture that we just read from the passage, we see this father. And through tears, he he says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, many of us have scriptures that encourage us, Many of us have scriptures that maybe we write on the inside of our Bible, we put on the fridge and something like that, that, that helps us during tough times. But I wonder how many of us have got this scripture written on the back of our door or put on our fridge. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, I think this father in this statement that he makes, I think it describes a lot of our Christian experience. I think if we were to be honest and kind of do a bit of an internal order of our faith, I think we would find a lot of times that we come to that place where we'd say that, yes, Lord, I believe, but I'm just not sure. Yes, God, I know you can do everything. Yes, God, I I, I read the scriptures, I sing the songs, I know all the, but can you really do it? Do you really want to do it, God? Can it really happen? 
I don't know. I think all of us at different times in our faith and in our following of Jesus, have, we've all felt this way. We've, we, I, I think this, this statement by this father just so describes the Christian experience. We believe Jesus can do it. He can save. He, he's, he's all these wonderful names. He's, Jesus is all of those things. Yes, I know it. I know it. But is he really? Can it really happen? Will I really? Ex- oh, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. You know, the Bible describes that Jesus comes into a crowd of people. And, and we see that in this, in this crowd as Jesus enters that the scribes are there and they are grilling the disciples. It's like the journalists are there and they are just grilling them. They are, they're throwing all these questions at them. They're giving them a hard time. They're saying, you know, what are you doing? What's happening? Where's Jesus? What's going on? Why do you follow? They're, they're, absolutely, they're giving them a hard time. They're questioning them, right? And verse 14 says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude, and the scribes were disputing. But immediately when they saw him, they were greatly amazed at Jesus, and they greeted him. You see, right at this point, Jesus has just come down from the Mount Transfiguration experience. So Jesus has been transfigured, which simply means that change on the inside is evident on the outside. So Jesus, there's been this amazing experience, and Peter and John were there to witness this transfiguration of Jesus. And, and he's coming into the crowd, and, and there's a change in Jesus. There's a, there's a new countenance on him. There's something that's different, and because it says that as soon as the people see him, they were amazed, and they rushed to greet him. And we see that the, 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 the scribes are there, and they're, and they're pressing on. They're pressing on the uh, disciples. They're disputing with them. You know, likely the dispute had something to do with the context of the text, which is that there's this boy who was brought to his disciples and they could not heal him. They could not bring about, uh, they couldn't deliver him. They, they, they couldn't bring change to this boy who has been possessed by this demonic spirit. You know, they're, they're probably questioning the disciples on the, the virility and the teaching of their rabbi Jesus. They're, they're, they're probably questioning and saying, you follow this Jesus, but he can't do anything, you can't do anything. You know, because you've got to remember, these, these, fishermen, these disciples were fishermen. They, were, they, they, weren't, they weren't brought up in the synagogue like many of the other uh, followers of rabbis or things like that. And so, and so that they were looked at differently in the society. They were looked at differently uh, amongst the people. And so they're, they're pressing them, they're giving them a hard time, they're disputing them, they're being critical of them. You know, it's interesting that we live in a world today that is highly critical of the church, that is critical of Christianity, yet it offers no solution to any of the issues and challenges that we face. You know, these, these scribes are there, they're disputing with the disciples, but at no point do they do anything to help the Father. At no point do they do anything to help the son. At no point do they put their hat in the ring. Do they step up? Do they, do they offer any solution? All they are is critical. You know, our world today is critical. It's critical of the church. It's critical of what the church stands for, of what the church does, of, of what Christianity is. Yet it offers no solution. You know, don't be put off by people who are critical. Don't be put off by people or, or, or don't shrink back when you're faced by people or in our society 
that looks to be critical of the church, that looks to be critical of our faith, because we know that Jesus has the final word. We know that as we, as we celebrate it at the communion table, that Jesus is the one who changes. Jesus is the one who has the answer. Jesus is the only answer. Amen? Don't be, don't be worried about the critics. We live in a world that, that is full of critics. Verse 17 goes on and says, One of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes in his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to the disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I be with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed and he fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Right? This is like a 10 out of 10 in bad situations going on. Right? This is, this is a tough situation that these disciples find themselves in. Right? The, the disciples are having one of those days. Right? This is, you know, have you ever had one of those days where it just seems like things just get worse and worse? Right? They, they, I can imagine this father's come to them. They've brought their their son, they've explained the issue, and these disciples are like, all right, we can do this, we can, you know, and it's just not happening, it's just not working, right, the, the spirit, it's just, it's just, you know, they're, they're doing their thing, they're trying their best, but it's not going on, and now they're getting criticized by people, there's crowd gatherings, Jesus come back, Jesus going, what are you guys doing, you faithless generation, oh my goodness, bring him to me, and then he's all, like, this is a bad day, right, you can imagine yourself as a disciples, can you put yourself in that place, right, this is all this is going on. You're just feeling like, oh my goodness, now Jesus is back and I still haven't sorted this out. This is, you know, he's going to be upset. You know, like there's, they're having a bad day, right? These, these things, it's not working out the way that it should. You know, what's interesting is that the father describes that the son has a mute spirit. It's a mute spirit. In other words, when the spirit comes upon him, when the, this demonic oppression comes on him, he can't speak. It, it renders him mute. You know, in, uh, I was looking into this and, and kind of some of the, the thoughts around this. And what would have happened is, is, is back in the day that if you had that, you know, Jesus wasn't like the only rabbi getting around. You know, there was other rabbis and, and obviously the synagogue. Things like that. So if you had an, an issue like this with your child or, or whoever it was, you'd bring them to the rabbi, you'd bring them into the, the place. And, and part of the ways of in the Jewish tradition for them to to exercise and to, and to deal with this oppression was that you would need to know the name of the Spirit in order to cast it out, right? So that was their tradition. That was part of their practice. And so you would need to know the name of the Spirit. And then when you knew that, then they would, they would try to, you know, to beseech God and try to cast this, this Spirit out of people, right? So this, this is part of their practice. So you can imagine that if the Spirit renders someone mute... It's very hard to find out what the Spirit's name is. Are you following me? So in terms of like a demonic oppression kind of thing going on, this is like, this is like the hardest ones to deal with, right? In terms of, you know, you've got to remember, like Jesus hasn't died yet. There's none of those things that, you know, so we're at this point in history. And so for their practice, for how they would normally deal with these things, you would need to know the name. Well, it's very hard to find out the name if the Spirit renders the person mute. Does that make sense, right? So this is, this is like a really tough situation. Now, now, my reasoning for why Jesus was so upset with his disciples 
was that maybe the disciples were going back to old ways, to old practices. Maybe the disciples, you know, Jesus came to bring a new covenant. Jesus came to bring a new way of living. Jesus came to bring a new order. This, this, is, how, this is how it's done. Jesus' teaching was so radical and so different to every other rabbi or teacher or anything else that was out there. You know, love your neighbor, you know, forgive, not just once, but seven times, seven times, seven hundred. Like, like Jesus' teaching was so different, was so, was so out there that that, that maybe these disciples were reverting back to old ways, to old ideas. And, and, may, and maybe that's why Jesus was so upset with them, because he's saying, don't go back to the old patterns. You know, and I think for our lives, how easy is it sometimes in our own walks with God that we revert back to old patterns. We revert back to old ideas. We revert back to old habits, to old ways of doing things, to, to old things. You know, you know when, when challenges come and maybe an old pattern for us was to get angry. or to the, And it's easier for us sometimes, isn't it? We fall back into those things when Jesus came to what? To set us free, to give us a new way of living, to give us a new paradigm, a new way of thinking, a new way of, of approaching the world. You know, Jesus came to do this. And, and I think part of Jesus being upset wasn't so much about whether or not they cast it out or not, was that they reverted to old ways of doing things. When Jesus came to, to give them a new way and a new life, and it's the same for you and I. Jesus has given us a new pattern for living. He's given us a, a new way of, of what we should do. And we need to respond to what Jesus has done, not to what we think. You know, it goes on in verse 21. You know, we see that this this son, right? So all these things are going on, but let's not forget the main players in this, in this account is this father and this son. This father who is desperate and this son whose life is literally at risk every time this spirit seizes him, every time this demonic episode occurs. This father is desperate for his son. You know, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening? He says it's from birth. And then he says this, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Aren't you glad our Jesus is full of compassion? Aren't you glad that we have a God who is full of compassion? A God who looks upon you and I. He doesn't look at you and your circumstance and go, you got yourself into it, get yourself out of it. Aren't you glad our God isn't like that? but that he has compassion. You know, there's another account where Jesus looks at this multitude after he's just found out that John, his cousin, has died and he retreats away to, to go and, and console and to spend time with his father. And, but the Bible says that the crowd came and Jesus looked at them and the Bible says that he had compassion. Aren't you glad our Jesus is full of compassion? You know, whatever you're going through today, whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever challenges are in your life. You don't have to bear it on your own. Jesus has compassion. He has compassion. And we see here, Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father cries out with tears, through tears he cries out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Have you ever gone through something where you felt helpless, where you felt like there's nothing you can do. Like, I've tried, I've done this, I've tried that, and, and it's, I'm just not seeing the breakthrough. I'm just not, 
I'm still struggling with this sickness or that, that family member, that son, that daughter who's away from God or that challenge in that relationship or that workplace or that financial situation. Wherever it is. Have you ever been in that place where it feels like you've tried everything and there's just nothing left? Have you ever come to a, your wit's end? Have you ever come to a place where you're just like, I just there's nothing left. I've got nothing left to offer. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, this father is in this place. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I've come so far, I've tried so much, I've, I've done everything I can. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, I want you to know today that if you've ever felt that way, that if you've ever come to that place, if you've ever made that statement, if you've ever thought that, if there's ever been something that, that has been in your heart, that Jesus is loving, he is compassionate, and he is able. You know, Spurgeon says in regard to this statement that this father makes, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This is what he says. That this is something that only a man can say by faith. While men have no faith, they are unconscious of their unbelief. But as soon as they get a little faith, then they become conscious of the greatness of their unbelief. So even though this statement seems like a paradox, it makes perfect sense. And I think if you break it down into its parts, you, you see what I'm saying and what Spurgeon is communicating. You see, he says, Lord, I believe. That is a declaration of faith. That's a declaration. That, that, is, his, that is his opening position. Lord, I believe. And that should be our opening position. That should be how we come into church. That should be how we live Monday to Friday. Lord, I believe. It's a, it's a declaration of faith. It's a statement of the truth. You know, even though he's in a circumstance where his son and, and the challenges and the disciples can do and the scribes are disputing and all these things going on. Still, he makes this statement, Lord, I believe. You know, then he says, help. Help is a request. You know, you don't ask someone for help unless you think they can help you, right? My kids come to me and they ask me to help them with their homework. I, of course, send them to their mother. But the point is they ask for help because they think that I can help. I can help. I'm okay, aren't I? I'm all right, right? See, you don't ask for help of someone unless you believe that they can help you. So even in this statement, even in this cry for help that this father makes, there's faith in it because he knows that he's asking Jesus, the one who can do something. You know, then he says this. He says, my unbelief. So Lord, I believe is a declaration. Help is the request. My unbelief is the confession. You know, it's an honest appraisal of where he is at. You know, sometimes, you know, and that's one of the things I love about worship, is that we can come to a place where sometimes we, we can actually make an honest appraisal of where we're at. You know, we can actually take some time to go, you know what, my week's been bad, things haven't gone well, but God, I love you. But God, you are greater. But God, you're in control. We we, it's, it's okay to be honest with your circumstance. You know, you, you look at the Psalms, you read the Psalms. David is like, David's hardcore, right? 
God, you've let me down. God, you weren't there. God, my enemies are doing better than me. Where were you? You called me, but they're doing better. My life's the worst. God, you're hopeless. But, but you will come through. But God, you are, I know that you're, but God, I put my trust in you. You know, it's okay to have an honest appraisal. You know, this father was just honest with where he's at. He said, but help my unbelief. He was honest with himself. He, he humbled himself. He recognized his position. But more than that, he recognized who Jesus was and what Jesus can do. You know, it's okay to struggle. No, none of us here have made it. See, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Really what this father has done is he's given Jesus the benefit of the doubt. Do you give Jesus the benefit of the doubt? When the chips are down, when times are tough, when that son, that daughter, that parent, that family friend or whatever, is, their life's going haywire and it seems that all their venom's coming your way, when, you, when you're facing challenges, when your health, when, whatever it is, do you give Jesus the benefit of the doubt? You know, the amazing thing about this passage, right, is that the Lord, I believe, held my unbelief. You know, in that statement, there's just a little bit of faith. You know, all you need is a little bit of faith. Just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. You know, Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Well, what's my, it's the smallest of the seeds. It's this littlest little bit. You know, Jesus can do a lot with your little. That's why it's so important that we give him the benefit of the doubt. Because your little that you have, that you think is insignificant, that you think is not enough, that you think that, I don't know if this is, Lord, I believe, but Lord, I, I've got these doubts, God, I struggle, and every day I wake up and I'm faced with this challenge, and, and I don't know if you really can do it, I don't know if you are real, and I don't know if it's, it's really going to happen, but Lord, I believe, but help me. You know, you just need a little bit of faith, just a little bit. Jesus can do so much with your little. Will you give him your little? Will you give God the benefit of the doubt? Will you put your trust in Him? I just want to invite you to stand right now. Just right where you are. I just want to pray for your church. And I want to invite you as well just to close your eyes. I'm going to hand back in a moment. You know, if you've ever doubted, welcome to the club. If you've ever not been sure, it's okay. If you've ever faced a challenge where you felt like, I don't know if this is going to work. God, I don't know if this is going to, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play. I don't know if I'm going to see this result, if this thing is going to happen. Or, or God, I, I don't know if you're in this. God, I don't know if you're, welcome to the club. You just need a little bit of faith. Give God the benefit of the doubt. Don't feel condemned today. Be encouraged. Be encouraged of what Jesus can do with your little. You know, as we know in that passage, Jesus says, I am able. I am compassionate. You know, your circumstance, his answer is still the same. He is able. He is compassionate. He is loving. He is willing. And we see the result is that this son, this, this oppression comes off of him. It returns no more. And he is set free. He is delivered. 
at the word of Jesus. You know, Jesus wants to set you free today. He wants to deliver you today. He is able. He is willing. He is compassionate. If you've ever doubted, it's okay. We all have. We all have. But just give him a little bit of faith. You know, I just want you to close your eyes right now. And I'm asking you to close your eyes because I, I just want to respect the people in the room right now and I want people to feel like that they have an opportunity. You know, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe I've been talking and sharing about Jesus and, and what he's done and, and this, this amazing thing. And maybe you're sitting there going today, well, I, you know, Jonathan, I don't have any faith. I'm not sure if I believe. But maybe something in your heart as I've been sharing and talking about Jesus that something inside of you has there's been, there's been a move or a shift in you and, you and you feel so. Can I tell you, friend, let me tell you what that is. That's called the Holy Spirit. And he's calling you onto himself. You see, Jesus came to save and redeem you. You know, the end of the story of Jesus, we, his story's still going, but in the end of the, in his journey, we see that Jesus goes to the cross to die for us. We, we celebrated that with communion. He did that for you because he loves you. He loves you today. He's got a plan and purpose for your life. But I want to invite you right now to take that first step, to walk into that plan, to know his love, to, to, to live in all that Jesus has for you. And it begins by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So if that's you today, I want to ask you that if you want to receive Christ today, if you want to know, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to make you do anything. In fact, it's really simple. We're just going to say a prayer together. But I just want to invite you so I know who I'm praying for today. I want to ask you just to lift your hand, wherever you are today, wherever you're at today. Maybe you're coming to this church for a while. Maybe you're not sure. But today you want to make that step. I just want to ask you just to lift your hand. I'd love to pray for you right where you're standing, that you would know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, see a hand here. Thanks, mate. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Jesus is yours today, my friend. He is yours today. He loves you today. He has plan and purpose for your life, bud. That's so good. So good. So good. Anyone else? Anyone else? I want to ask you just to lift your hand. But back over here as well. Fantastic. Jesus loves you today. He loves you today. Okay, I'm just going to wait just 10 more seconds. I'm gonna, we're going to all pray together with these wonderful people. And then I'm just going to do one more thing and then I'm going to hand back to Pastor Ben. Anyone else? Cool. Will those people who raise their hand, can I tell you, that is the best thing you have ever done. Come on, church. Can we just, isn't that so good? I don't know if we could just give him a clap. That's fantastic. Church, let me tell you, that is the best thing that happened today. Nothing else that happens today will beat that. And I want to thank those people. What I want to do is that we're just going to pray together. I'm going to ask all of us to repeat this prayer together. And we're just going to pray. And I'm going to ask these guys who lifted their hands to pray this along as well, that, uh, that they would receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior today. So let's just do that together. Father, we come to you today. We come to you humbly and open. We thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. We thank you that by his blood, we are set free. That we are welcome into your house. So Father, today we repent of our ways. And we give our lives to the pursuit of following you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you that your spirit is in us. 
And we choose today to live from that position of knowing you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now just before I hand back, just after you close your eyes again. All right. Uh, I want, again, I want to pray for people today. You know, maybe as I've been sharing, talking about this little bit of faith, talking about, you know, maybe you've been sitting here today feeling like, man, I've doubted. I, I've, I've struggled. I've had, I don't know if God can do it. You know, I'd love to be able to pray for you today. You know, one of the worst things we can do in our faith, one of the worst things we can do in our faith, especially when we face challenges and long-term challenges, is that we do, which is also one of the worst things you can do in the backyard cricket game, is take your bat and ball and go home, right? You choose not to play anymore. You know, I think so much in our Christian walk that we face challenges and we feel like, you know, we push and we push and we don't see the answer result that we feel that we should or we, or we you know, we, we get disappointed in our faith. But, you know, the worst thing you can do is to stop playing the game is to stop engaging, to, to pull right back. And so I want to encourage you today, I want to pray for people today. Where maybe in your faith, maybe there's a challenge, maybe there's a, something you've been praying for for a long time and you still haven't seen the result or the fruit or, the, or you haven't seen the fulfillment of the word that God, God has given you. Don't take your bat and ball and go home, right? I want to pray for you today. I want to encourage you today. That in that, that like this father, that even though you would say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Can I tell you, friend, a little bit of faith makes all the difference. Just a little bit of faith. Jesus can move in miraculous ways. He can, he can do it, friend. He can see that word fulfilled. You can see that breakthrough. You can see that thing that you've been believing for. Just with a little bit of faith. And so if that's you today, if you just, just right where you're standing, I just want to ask you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you today, just to encourage you. To get back in the game. Thank you. See a hand back there. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Another one down the front here. Please don't be embarrassed. You're in church. You're amongst family and friends. We all go through troubles. We all go through hard times. Yeah, another hand here. Thank you, my friend. Anyone else? Just want to lift your hand. Just because so, I, just, I want to be able to pray for people specifically. Thank you so much for lifting your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Just hands everywhere. Fantastic. Anyone else? Yeah, I just want to pray for you today. Encourage you. Get back in the game. Get back in the game. Jesus has the answer. Jesus is compassionate. He is willing and he is able. Anyone else? Down the front. Fantastic. Father, I just pray for these hands that were lifted, Lord God. God, I thank you, Lord, for their, even God, even just the faith that it takes to lift their hands in this room, Father. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that as they have lifted their hands, Lord God, encourage them, Lord God. Help them, Lord God, God, to get back in the game. Lord God, to not make treaty with their challenges or their issues or those things in their lives, Lord God, but God, they would believe again that you are willing, that you are able, that God, you have the answer, you have the breakthrough, you have the deliverance that they need. They no longer have to live with this struggle, just uh, eating away at their faith, eating away at their lives, but God, you have an answer for them. So, Father, I pray, Lord God, for these ones who lifted their hands, Lord. God, I pray for anyone else, Lord God, God, who is struggling in their faith, Lord God, who, who experiences that, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. 
God, I pray, Lord God, that you would speak into their hearts, encourage them again. God, show them what you can do with a little bit of faith. God, we put our trust in you. God, we lean upon you. Jesus, we give you the benefit of the doubt. And so, Father, I pray to each one, Lord God, God, let the answers come, Lord God. God, let the resolutions come, Lord God. God, let there be testimonies, Lord God, from this day forward, Lord, of your breakthrough, of your deliverance, of your answer. Father, we put our trust in you. We lean upon you. In your name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. 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 I want to thank you so much for having me. God bless you, church. Love you heaps. Pastor Ben.